Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are uh, going to get you all caught up on free agency. So we recorded yesterday before Draymond Jones went to Seattle, before the Browns agreed to terms with Dalvin Tomlinson. So we have all of that to get into. And then we'll also look ahead a little bit. And of course, uh, the Browns and Sione Takitaki, as Mary Kay has been reporting, is going to happen. Uh, that agreement was also reached today. So even on a quiet day, still plenty to get to. And I say quiet, uh, knock on wood over here, uh, since, since we're recording a podcast now at 5.45 here on Tuesday. Uh, Mary Kay, let's start with the news from Monday night, though. Uh, Draymond Jones decides to go to Seattle. You know, you tweeted out that maybe he just got too expensive for the Browns. Is, is that essentially what happened? You know, I think that that probably had something to do with it. I think that if the price had been right, they probably could have ended up with Draymond Jones. I know they were in the mix, but I also know that there is a chance that maybe Delvin Tomlinson was who they wanted all along because he's that big guy in the middle to plug that big hole. Now, Draymond Jones, he's a different kind of defensive tackle slash end. He was going to bring uh, the pass rush element to you which I think, of course, is very important. But the Browns really did struggle to stop the run as well last year. So uh, it might have been just a case of, uh, hey, let's let's plug up the middle with a big kind of guy that Jim Schwartz, that he's known for having in the middle of his defenses, right? I mean, that, you know, big beefier and Damakang Su kind of a guy. And that's what, that's what Dalvin Tomlinson brings to the table. So he's going to eat up a lot of space, maybe take on some double teams in there. And, uh, and take some pressure off Miles Garrett. So, Ashley, that kind of brings up an interesting discussion. Um, you know, so Draymond got uh, three years, 51.53. Uh, the Browns give Dalvin uh, four years, 57 million, uh, with 27 and a half guaranteed. So he obviously comes at a lower rate. But I, there is sort of a discussion here about type. And, uh, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson can create pressure, but he is a different type of defensive tackle in Draymond Jones who yeah, you can move all over the place. And, and so, yeah, maybe that was just the preference of the Browns. Yeah. Because especially, I mean, I think Draymond's like really unique in how he can play and you can have him come off the edge. If you want, you can move him around inside. If you want, he can do all those things where Dalvin Tomlinson's a bit more traditional, that bigger body, like we're talking about. Um, so I could understand in a Jim Schwartz world, like one of those guys being the preference over the other, right, in this new defensive scheme. So I definitely think it's, like, believable that, hey, maybe this is just the guy they want. They happen to be able to get him at a better rate, too. The other guy's price was going up. So kind of nothing lost on their end, it seems like. So, Mary Kay, the word overpay has been getting thrown around a little bit today on social media. And I understand it. I think I could make the case that this was an overpay, but, I mean, is that – what was this an overpay for the Browns or is this just something they needed to do? Well, you know, when you get into free agency and if you choose to play the game, uh, a lot of times you are going to overpay. If it was their own guy, they probably would not have shelled out that much money, but uh, that's what you're going to pay for a premium defensive lineman. Uh, so I, I'm not going to say overpay. Um, I, I think, you know, this is, this is what you have to do to get what you need. They've got the money to do it. They cleared that $36 million uh, with Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, what, what were they going to do? Like go into next season and say, oh, well, you know, 
there was that $3 million we just didn't want to shell out. And, you know, then they go and they, they get run all over for the first five games of the season. I mean, you do what you have to do, and they, they filled a very big need. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the reality of the situation, right? Because what was your other option? You know, save the money and okay, let's run let's run it back with Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai and Perion Winfrey and let's bring Taven Bryan back. I mean, you, you couldn't do that, Ashley. It feels a little bit like if if you're not hitting on your draft picks, you're gonna have to figure out a way to fill those holes somehow. And that's when you have to go into free agency and you you've gotta pay big bucks to do it. Yeah, and this regime has not done that yet. Like, this is the first time that we've seen them do that. I mean, I tried to ask Andrew Berry about that at the Combine. They haven't drafted a defensive tackle super high. They haven't used draft capital in that way. And they haven't given a huge free agent contract to anybody, right? Like a single individual player. So I do think, like, yes, you could have gone the cheaper route and just brought Taven Bryan back for really cheap, but, like, that didn't get you anything last year. I think it was impossible given how bad the run defense was, especially at the beginning of last year, to run it back with some of those guys. And I know Mary Kay wrote, you know, the Browns still like Jordan Elliott. They still like a guy like Perrion Winfrey. They maybe think they can get something out of them. I just think you can't, you couldn't afford if you're them to over rely on those guys for a second straight year. So I think getting another big body, a veteran presence in there uh, is really what they needed and it costs what it costs. Yeah, this is sort of the the Ethan Posich discussion a, a little bit all over again. Uh, now, defensive tackle is different. You can play four or five guys in a game at that position. You, you're only going to play one center. But you know what? We talked about it on on Monday, Mary Kay. It was the decision of do you go with the well maybe in Nick Harris or the thing you know in Ethan Posich. You know, in this case, do you pay to bring in a guy that you're pretty sure what he's going to give you or do you kind of cross your fingers and hope that these young guys develop and, and deliver in a way that they didn't last year? Yeah. You know, how long have we been saying, uh, and I used the phrase, um, they're no longer uh, cutting out the middleman because how long have we been saying that they just aren't doing anything in the middle of the defense? And, uh, you know, so I, I think it's kind of ironic and funny now that anybody would accuse them of overpaying when they really went out and got one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL uh, to plug this hold and to come in here and try to shore up this run defense. So, uh, you know, I applaud them for doing it. I think it was necessary and I don't think it's an overpay. Uh, I, I think it'll be totally fine. I think that, you know, I think he'll be really good in Jim Schwartz's defense too. You know, that's another thing. Some of these defensive linemen will produce more than they have in the past because he makes it a point to feature, showcase, and protect those defensive linemen. That's why I also think, I mean, you might see them get a little bit more out of Jordan Elliott. You might see them get a little bit more out of Perrion Winfrey, who started to show a few things at the end of last season. But you're right. I mean, you brought up a good point about the fact that if you really nail those picks, and they're mid-round picks. I mean, you know, it wasn't like they were first-round picks. You're talking about a third rounder for Jordan Elliott and a fourth rounder for Perry on Winfrey. But if you nail those picks, then you're not having to go out and do this. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, that's something to be learned from, from all of this is that, you know, they're going to have to up their game a little bit um, at that level of draft pick, because certainly uh, with the third round picks, you want those guys to be starters for you. Fourth round, you know, rotation, but third round, 
uh, you're still talking about starting territory. So I do, I really do think that Jordan is going to have to step up this year, even more so than last year. And, and I think you can make that case too at edge rusher um, with, um, you know, they had to go out and bring a player. Now it wasn't as expensive um, and to, to bring in uh, Okoronkwo, but they did have to go out and pay to bring in an edge rusher. They've had to, to pay to bring in Jadavion Clowney. And part of that is because, you know, you just can't go into next year banking too heavily on Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas. And, and you know, not that they can't develop, of course, Ashley, but you can't go into it saying, okay, Alex Wright is going to make a leap next year and just count on that as being your only answer. Right. And I think like when they drafted Alex Wright, all the conversation around him was, this is a guy they know they're getting who is pretty raw, but they can develop. At least that's what they thought, you know, when they drafted him. And I still think that's true. I think Alex showed flashes of some really good things, but as he talked about rushing the passer in the NFL is totally different than when you are a defensive end at UAB in college. It's just like a totally different world. He's another guy who, you know, we talked about this with Cade York, for example, but Alex Wright is still like relatively new to football in the grand scheme of his life. He didn't really start playing in earnest until he was like a sophomore or junior in high school, I think. So I just think it's understandable that like, yes, you want to get that guy some decent snaps and see what he can do, but they just got really no kind of production from the other guys on that line besides Miles Garrett that now you do have to say, okay, this is we're revamping this defense. We have to go all out at this point because of everything we gave up for our quarterback. And we think we're in our window right now. So I think it's not like you said, Dan, like not about not playing those guys or not thinking they can turn into something. It's more about we need production now and we don't we can't have it be a question mark. So, so Mary Kay, this is one of the things I think I've liked about Andrew Barry's approach um, in in his time here. And we, you know, we've talked about, you know, maybe he's a little too loyal to his draft picks, um, but that, that's just who he's going to be. But he has been able to identify needs and he's been willing to go out and address those needs in free agency, which which is interesting because that's not necessarily the way people think about like smart analytically driven teams it's we're going to build through the draft we're not we're not going to overpay in free agency we're not going to play that game but Andrew does a really good job of identifying a need and attacking it in free agency now the results have been mixed you know John Johnson at one point would fit that mold Austin Hooper you know Jack Conklin was a win so so there's been wins and losses but he at least does a really nice job of identifying we need to fix this and so we need to go out and sign somebody who we know can do it, or we at least think we know can do it, um, instead of just kind of rolling the dice on the draft every year. Yeah, and you know what? There are some teams that really don't engage in free agency very much at all. And there are teams that dive in and, and they really go for it and grab up some of these guys. And the Browns are probably somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Uh, they they definitely do go and find guys that can come in and fill roles and play roles and, and fill holes and start for them. Um, sometimes, like you said, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and I think they're going to have to look at it over the next how many ever years and try to figure out, uh, you know, is it the right approach? Is the money generally worth it? Uh, or is there another way to attack it? I think sometimes the trades are better because you're not spending as much money, but then you have to worry about, uh, you know, sometimes a character issue with a guy uh, or whatever the case may be. But they are willing to go out and uh, 
and grab the gusto early on in free agency. They've demonstrated that in each of these first four seasons of theirs. So yeah, it's a pattern for them to go do this. And I mean, for the most part, it works out okay. I mean, the the free agents haven't necessarily gone on to be, you know, world beaters per se. Um, but, you know, they're getting out of them kind of what they need to get out of them. And in some cases, making up for a draft pick that didn't work out. Okay, I want to go non-Browns here uh, real quick, because it, you know, this was sort of one of the bigger stories of the day. And it is certainly Browns, you know, it has to do with the Browns at some point. So um, Lamar Jackson replied to a tweet today and basically indicated that he turned down uh, a three-year deal from the Ravens that would have guaranteed him $133 million a year. That average is somewhere in the 40 to like 44 million or something like that. So it would put him below Deshaun. It would put him below Kyler Murray. It would put him, you know, below and Russell Wilson, um, of course, Aaron Rodgers. And and the terms of the deal, the three-year deal, of course, is, is probably a part of it too. So I, I, I want to get both of your reactions to this. You know, Mary Kay, it just... It's hard for me to believe that this isn't going to end up with Lamar back with the Ravens. That, that seems like such an unlikely scenario. Like you don't just let an MVP walk out the door. But then again, I mean, the Packers might be about to let an MVP walk out the door. So <laughs> I don't know. It just feels more and more like this is going to be really difficult now for, for the Ravens. I mean, is there is it realistic that Lamar might not be back in Baltimore next year? I, I think there's a chance. I mean, there, you know, the writing was on the wall at the end of last year that there was trouble in paradise. And of course, it all began when Deshaun Watson received the $230 million fully guaranteed five-year contract from the Cleveland Browns. Right then, that's when trouble was afoot. That's when uh, their owner, Stephen Bashotti, came out at the owners meetings at last year when we were there and said, um, you know, this is unfortunate. We don't think that, uh, you know, Deshaun should be the first guy to get this fully guaranteed contract, and it will cause problems. And lo and behold, it has. So um, there is a world in which he is not going to be back with the Ravens, but it is also weird that uh, at least to this point, we haven't really heard of any teams that are, are about to come forth with that blockbuster deal for him that he would sign and agree to. So we'll have to see if someone goes ahead and sets the market and gives him the deal that he wants. The starting point in his mind, I think, is $230 million guaranteed for five years, right? I mean, that's what he wants. So if he doesn't get that, you know, I don't know where this thing is going to be headed. Does he show up for camp and play under the um, under the non-exclusive franchise tender? It's a not a whole lot of money in terms of what the quarterbacks are, what the big kids are making these days. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to get interesting, but suffice it to say that there's already bad blood and, you know, feelings are going to have to be smoothed over. Some players are more principled than others. He seems to be in that category of on a scale from one to 10, he's about a 10. And, you know, I think it could possibly be hard for him to just come back, swallow his pride and feel that he was just wanted all along. I do wonder if tomorrow at like 4 p.m. if we're going to see that first offer sheet, because um, if I'm not like nobody can actually talk to Lamar technically right now because right. he's not an agent. So that's interesting. Yep. And, I, you know, I do wonder if some teams maybe just don't want to tie up that money yet. 
Um, the, the other part of it too, that's really difficult. And I know the agent thing is a little sensitive, but like this bad blood develops because Lamar has to do this stuff on his own. If you have an agent, he can sort of be like a barrier for you. And like Mm -hmm. when a team says something bad or gives you an offer, that's not very good. Like the agent can sort of absorb that. And the player, the player maybe never even needs to know about it. Um, so, so it really makes this complicated and really makes it feel like, maybe this is just going to go off the rails. I mean, Ashley, can you imagine a a Ravens team without Lamar Jackson next year? I don't know. It's like, I keep going back and forth, right? Like on how much I think it's possible that he's still going to be in Baltimore versus not. Um, I can't really imagine them them without him because so much of what they do has been kind of built around him this last handful of years or whatever. But it's also interesting. Like he's obviously not, he's not even the biggest quarterback domino that still has to fall yet. Right. Like we're all still waiting on what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. And you kind of watch these other teams around the league. Like the Raiders have their situation figured out now with Jimmy Garoppolo, the Falcons seem like they're ready to roll with Taylor Heineke. Now, like some of these other places that you look around the league and think, ah, they might be options for Lamar. They're not going to sit around and wait. And I think like it gets kind of complicated. And one of you two can correct me if I'm wrong, but if somebody would make an offer to Lamar, once this starts, they'd have to wait like what, like five days or whatever. Or he would have five days to decide something like that. The, Ra- yeah. the Ravens would have, yeah, I think it's five or days. The Ravens have five would days. have to match. To yeah. match it. So, so then it's like, if you do that, you're taking yourself out of the running for any other guys. Like, I, I just think all of these, it's not just about Lamar for me. It's about what else is happening, this free agency, and what team is really going to need him besides a team like Baltimore that, you know, everything we've heard from them, they desperately want to keep him. And now it seems like it's about patching up these feelings. Yeah, this is going to be... This is going to be interesting. I almost wonder, like, if Aaron Rodgers decides he's supposed to on Pat McAfee show at one o'clock tomorrow. If he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to retire," if the Jets would pivot and maybe make that offer all of a sudden uh, to to Lamar Jackson. But that is, it's going to be an interesting situation, and then it becomes about what the the Ravens do uh, after that. So this is certainly a, a big story for the Browns and and certainly their future and their chances in the AFC North. All right, let's take a break. I got a couple more things I want to get to here as we uh, recap day two of free agency for the Browns in the NFL. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, something to clean up here, Mary Kay, as you said on Monday, this was this was going to happen. It did happen today. Sione Takitaki will be back. Uh, a one-year deal for Takitaki, $2.5 million. Uh, you know, I we'll see how he comes back. We'll see what his role ends up being. But this this just feels like one of the, this is a feel-good contract, right? No, nobody can Nobody can look at this and be like, ah, why did they do that? This is, no. this is good feelings all around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he did such a nice job last year in terms of coming in and nailing down that Mike linebacker position when they lost a couple of guys there. And he's a really good guy. We've enjoyed covering him. And, um, and he just is coming off of a torn ACL, and everybody hopes that he's coming along really well and that he will be ready to go by the start of the season. He might not be 100% by the start of the season, but he is um, – you know, he's getting there and he should be able to play most or all of the season. So good for him for that. I think the outlook at linebacker is, um, you know, it's starting to get better because Jacob Phillips is coming back healthy. Uh, when you look at Anthony Walker Jr., uh, I think Anthony is somebody that they would like to re-sign. So um, 
you know, I don't know if they have to wait a little bit more for him to be able to pass a physical or whatever the case may be with him. So I don't know if that's going to happen in like a day or two. But um, but he's somebody that they would like to bring back. That's good news for everybody associated with the Browns. Um, so, yeah, this, this was a, a feel-good contract. It's a nice amount of money for, for Sione. It's $2.5, like $8 million or something like that. I've known it was going to happen for a couple of days. And um, good for him. If nothing else, um, the Browns are bringing back a guy who is uh... – a good linebacker, but also, you know, Ashley, this is a guy that I think Bubba Ventrone's really going to like. I mean, that's actually how he ended yeah. up getting hurt was playing on special teams, but he's, he's a solid special teams player too. He is. And I mean, he's kind of grown into that, but I think more importantly, you know, defensively, he kind of showed last year that he could be an every down kind of player for them. And I think we've talked about before something kind of getting unlocked with him, the way you saw him fly around the field, his use his speed. I think all of that stuff was really key. And then to have a guy on top of that, that is a willing contributor and participant on special teams. Like, I think that's always a positive for any team, especially a guy like Bubba Ventrone, who everything we know about his personality, the way he's kind of fiery and everything we know about Taki Taki. Like I wouldn't say he's necessarily like fiery when we talk to him, but he's a guy that I think people really love in that locker room. Guys were really feeling for him, um, coaches, players, when he went down with that ACL injury. So I definitely think it's a win all for on the field reasons and off the field reasons. Yeah, that's that's a really good point there, Mary Kate. Like that, you know, Ashley mentioning like it really like it felt like guys felt that loss. You know, the coaches, player when we heard from guys, it wasn't just lip service. It really felt like they they felt that loss like emotionally when when he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's a very tight knit linebacker room. Uh, you know, it was sort of the same way they felt about really any of the other guys when they went down. Anthony Walker Jr. too. That felt like a little bit of a funeral that week too, right? I mean, you know, these are really good guys. They're really good leaders. They're confidants of other players on the team. Uh, they're, you know, just the kind of guys that you want to have around on your football team. And I think that says something. I think Jim Schwartz will really like uh, Sione Takitaki. He can stop the run very well. Uh, and that's obviously very necessary. Now he can play all three positions so he can fill in anywhere. I think that's going to come in handy when you know that, you know, you've got some guys that are coming off of these serious injuries and you might not have 100% participation for 17 games for all of them. So I think that versatility will help him that he could do any of those things. But certainly uh, he's he's very, very well liked on the team. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the guys that is always thanking us after we interview him. So, I mean, you know, you got to love that. We are suckers for that stuff. Pro tip. <laughs> we are we are suckers for guys who just just thank us when they're done with their press conference. I mean, we didn't do anything. We just asked a bunch of questions, but sure. <laughs> thank us. Um, okay. Let's look ahead here. Uh, Mary Kay, you put up a post uh, earlier today uh, as we're recording this here on Tuesday about what you think the next move for the Browns should be. So what is it? Well, yeah, you know, I, I was thinking today about the receiver position and what they needed to do and what they could do. And the more I thought about it, I really thought, you know what, why not toss your hat into the ring and go out and try to trade for Elijah Moore, the third year pro from the Jets. He's got all the speed that you want. He's that fast, twitchy receiver, and he needs a change of scenery. Those are the kinds of guys that you want to try to find and get them at a little bit of a bargain basement price. Then you bring them into the fold and you give them the kind of structure 
uh, that is going to help them. You coach them up with a really good receivers coach like Chad O'Shea. You get them around good guys like Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones and David Bell and Michael Woods and Anthony Schwartz and those guys. And uh, and you kind of see what they can do. And sometimes a guy that just it wasn't working out in one place can turn into something special in a new place. And we've seen that happen here with other guys, even like Tack McKinley came here. And when he felt wanted and supported, he's just a different player. So it seems like uh, Elijah Moore is, to me, ripe for the taking. There's so much craziness going on uh, with the New York Jets right now. They've supposedly agreed to terms with Packers receiver Alan Lazard. Uh, they're supposedly going, you know, they might end up going after uh, Aaron Rodgers, who they're trying, you know, supposedly are going to sign, you know, so therefore then they might pursue Randall Cobb, which is what he wants them to do. Diana Rossini from ESPN also mentioned Odell Beckham Jr., who we know is also on the Browns radar. Um, but, in you know, when they went out last year, and they drafted Garrett Wilson, number 10 overall out of Ohio State, you know, it just, Elijah Moore just started to fall through the cracks a little bit. And he went from pretty good production as a rookie with five touchdown catches to one last year. When those kinds of things start to happen, you realize that um, it might be time to move on. And then he had a shouting match, reportedly, with his um, with his offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, who's no longer there right now, but... Um, he had a shouting match with him that included some expletives. He asked to be traded. Uh, the Browns were interested in him at the trade deadline. Uh, but the the Jets, they were not interested in trading him. They denied his trade request. So in my experience, when the Browns have liked somebody in the past, that kind of sticks with them a little bit. And they uh, occasionally they will revisit it and maybe try to pursue that player again. Of course, some of it has to do with has the player, you know, gotten a bunch older? Is the player ready to fall off a cliff? Well, in the case of Elijah Moore, he's still 22 right now. I mean, I've got a 22-year-old daughter that's like still in college. I mean, I I wouldn't trust her with anything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she's here right now. I'm joking. She's brilliant, smart, funny. She's going to just... That is that is on the record and recorded forever, by the way. She's going to just... kill it in the workforce coming up. <laughs> Trust me on this. But anyways, but 22 years old is what I'm trying to say, right? 22, that's so young. He'll be actually 23 in March. But there's so many reasons in my mind to bring him in, trade for him, low salaries, 1.4 million and 1.8 base. I mean, would you rather do that or go give Odell Beckham Jr. $15 million, right? So I think it makes all the sense in the world. He's got the speed. He's got everything that you need. I would do it. Ashley, what, what do you like for the next move or the, ne the next priority for the Browns? I mean, for me, I would still like to see them do something at safety um, to replace what you are losing in a guy like JJ3, who I know I think we've talked about plenty, like just never kind of really found his fit here. Um, but I do think you need to find a replacement for him. So some names that are still left, Jordan Poyer, CJ Gardner-Johnson, Julian Love, Juan Thornhill, like those people that we've kind of been talking about still towards the top of those PFF best available. But, you know, some of these guys, I think it's going to depend on 
do they want to come here? A guy like Jordan Poyer. And are you going to be able to afford them? So I'm really curious to see what they do. You know, I think Jordan Poyer might be a good fit back here in Cleveland, especially with how good he is against the run. But like, I don't, I'm not feeling right now like that's particularly feasible, especially knowing like he's kind of alluded to wanting to go to Miami. So I'm thinking receiver too. Um, and I do, I like the Elijah Moore trade, but the free agent receiver that I, that I'm looking at is a guy I've, I've mentioned a couple times. I really like DJ Chark, uh, an LSU guy. So we, we know we, they like to bring in LSU guys. Uh, sorry to our buddy, Chris Easterling. Um, DJ Chark, 434, 42nd yard dash coming out of college. Fast guy, twitchy, can do a lot of different things. Um, I think he'd be a really interesting signing if the Browns could get him at the right price. I don't know what it's going to be. And, I, you know, I don't know if Detroit will kind of do everything they can to kind of keep him. They've been focused on on their defense right now and bringing in a bunch of corners. Uh, but if if he were kind of, if he kind of fell through the cracks there in Detroit, and the other thing too, he got hurt last year. And when he came back, he had uh, in week 12, so he came back in week 10. And then when he kind of got back up to speed in week 12, he had a 98 yard game, a 94 yard game. He had 108 yards in week 15. So he's a really productive player. And I think he's a guy that would pair really well with Amari Cooper and, uh, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I, I think he's just the type of receiver that would fit here if the price was right. I mean, Mary Kay, what is... I guess, what is the right price for a receiver right now for this team, considering what they've spent already? Well, you know what? It's it's hard to say. I think they need another one. So it's one of those situations where you might have to shell out the money for that receiver. And as you know, DJ Chark was one of the ones that I put on my sort of short list of radar guys for them because he does fit the bill. And, um, you know, he does have the speed and the production. And as you mentioned, three 90 plus yard games in his last six. Uh, that's really, really good production. But you are talking about a 20, almost $24 million cap hit for Amari Cooper this year. So I do think that you have to be careful about paying two guys uh, a whole bunch of money on your receiving core. Uh, so that's kind of why I was looking for a little bit more of a bargain. Don't know if that can happen, um, but, you know, if not, then, you know, why not go after a, a Chark or a Nicole Hardman or or someone along those lines who you know can come in and, and give you the kind of production that you're going to need and make you more explosive? Unless they have somebody really in mind that they feel great about at number 42 in that draft, I'm still going out and acquiring a receiver over the next couple of weeks. Okay, there we go. Our recap of day two in free agency for the Browns and a little bit in the NFL. The next time we talk to you on this podcast, unless something absolutely crazy happens, uh, it will be a new league year. New year, new me. That's what we'll call it. Uh, A new (laughs) league year starts at four o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, We'll have a little more clarity on uh, a few things, hopefully at that point, too, across the league. So just make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.